Howdy, homies. This is a very special edition of Geek Talk because I am joined by my homie of a few years now, Mr. Andras Jones, who played Rick in Nightmare on Elm Street 4, the kick-ass karate master dude. Anyway, we'll talk more about that. I, I He was actually one of the very first people I ever did a podcast with. Um, I don't even think it transferred over to Spotify. It's so old. So I'm going to look that up from my old SoundCloud only account and re-upload that for you so you can see maybe. Uh, I asked him all the Freddy fangirl questions back then. But as I've gotten to know him a little bit as a person, I know he wanted to speak about more than just Rick. So fangirl pod, I'll repost for you. This one is us being, hmm, how to explain it? A little stony, so we could be free. Um, it's not the normal format. It's kind of similar to when I get stoned and put myself on the clock for 10 minutes because I'm much less, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, inhibited, I suppose, about what I feel like I can say when I'm stoned. So it's easier. Even if I don't make as much sense, it's easier for me to form words. Anywho, that's what this pod is. It's a little bit rambly. But we're both very stoned and very open. And Andras talks about some of the stuff he's been doing since Nightmare. Uh, but we also dive into a little bit of what horror psychology, if you will, why, why so many of us are so drawn to it and are affected so deeply by it. Because to me, he represents one of those characters that I looked up to and, and felt a very deep connection with from the minute I saw the movie. So he was always an icon to me, which is how we ended up meeting. But we kind of described that. So without further... Oh, wait, wait, wait. Lest I forget, I had forgotten to take my crappy little podcast equipment with me over to Andres's house when we were doing this. So he was kind enough to let me borrow his big professional person sound equipment. And he mixed it up and he said he did some like editing not necessarily what we said I told him not to uh censor us or whatever but it it's kind of I haven't listened to it yet because if I do I will second guess myself so I think he put in some fun surprises for there we'll hear them together <laughs> and it should sound actually a little bit more pro and maybe we can do it this way more often we'll see but regardless thank you for being here on draws and thank you for listening Enjoy the rambling. <laughs> okay, what's the name of this podcast? Wow, I can't remember. Geek Talk. Geek Talk. Yes. Okay, well. Uh, I used to host a show called Geek Rock. And so now it's Geek Talk, but with a W. <laughs> Geek Talk. Talk. Yeah. Got it. Right on. Okay, well, I'm. it's a pleasure to be back on Are Geek Talk. Are we recording Talk. already? Yeah. Oh, man. Hi. We're gonna leave that in then. <laughs> yeah, I think I just I just took charge of your took charge of your show. I'm sorry. Wow. Okay, I'll intro now. Wow. Okay. Hi, homies. <laughs> it's Diana Prince, and I am here today with Mr. Andras Jones. Hello. Welcome. Uh, yeah. Welcome. I'm so like thrown now. I should probably preface this little chat with saying we got a little stone before this. Correct. On some good. California weed. Legal California weed. Blueberry Skittles. Am I right? That's what you had? Uh, Something like that. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. So I figured, what the heck? Because you are my stoner friend. Like, I don't think I've ever been around you where we haven't been stoned, right? Uh, you know, we usually get there. I mean, yeah. we start not being stoned. But in a happy way. Like, we get yeah. all talky and thinky. And that is yeah. what geek talk is all about. Like, how it used to be so hard for me to say anything. And look at me. I'm a chatterbox right now. So. Yeah. 
let's bring that out. I feel super like comfy with you and just like like chilling and chatting with you. And that's rare. So like let me introduce my online friends to my real life stoner friend. <laughs> well, hello <laughs> online intro. friends. Thank I, if you are if you are a supporter of this uh this person, this woman, this artist, uh uh, I'm then I'm your fan. You, if you are helping to build the Diana Prince Aww. empire in this you business, are you are the people who I want to applaud. <laughs> wow. Okay. Let's start off and tell people how they know you. First of all, actually, thank you for doing the watch along with us the other night. I had a blast. Thank you for inviting me. That was like an experience. The first time we had a, a guest and it went really well and I definitely want to do it again. And playing the the acoustic version <laughs> of anything, anything, that was just super cool. Thank you. I, I had a blast with all of it. Which now we say, what do we know you from, sir? Like not, I, I most people in our little world are going to know Nightmare on Elm Street 4, Rick. Nightmare on Elm Street 4, uh, but you possibly did sorority babes in the slime yes, ball Why do I with keep Linnea that? Quigley. Of course, maybe the attic expeditions. Yes, with that's Seth a Green lot of fans. Alice for Cooper. Sure. Wow, we oh. need to show that one. Yeah, that's a weird one. Uh, <laughs> and and then of course of the the infamous Night Trap video game. All those are my those are probably that's a baller resume though my main entries in the in, in the horror canon that's pretty cool uh, also played deke the illiterate bully on an episode of good morning miss bliss in which i <gasps> made screech do my homework because i couldn't No, read. i remember it accidentally came into my feet and i remember that episode and it never occurs to me because i haven't seen it in like 20 years or whatever yeah. That, that was you and you had like the skull like you were uh -huh. a bad yeah. bad guy with like a yeah that's funny yeah there was a picture of you somebody had a gift or something holding screech i'm like no -uh. yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah best though i got to do a scene sort of a, an overwrought emotional scene with Haley mills how dare you threaten another student why don't you just leave me alone you've been on my case ever since i got here deke believe it or not i'm not the enemy yeah, and I bet the next thing you're going to say is that you really want to help me. I take it you've heard that speech before. You take it right. Oh, and so the way you deal with your problems is that you hit people. Works for me. Well, it didn't work for me when you only answered one question on your quiz. And it didn't work for me when you misspelled your name. Hey, so I'm not gifted. I want you to do an extra credit report on one of our presidents. Choose from this list. Pick one. Abraham Lincoln. He's not on the list. George Washington. He's not on there either. Thomas Jefferson. Nope. Then who is on the stupid list? Uncle Ben, Betty Crocker, and Sarah Lee. It's my shopping list. <laughs> you can't read, can you? Wow. Solved the puzzle. Can I go now? Do your parents know? Who do you think taught me not to read? Now, what about your teachers? Hey, look, I'm a troublemaker. Just give me a passing grade and I'll become someone else's problem. Deke, you're in my class now. My students' problems are my problems. Just back off. No, I won't. You have to learn to read. And I promise I'll do everything in my power to help you. Yeah, and while you're helping me, everyone else will be laughing at me behind my back. Nobody will laugh. They always have before. Let's forget it. I'm going to make it on my own. All right, Deke. 
Yeah, sure, maybe you will. Who knows, you may be even one day a big success. And someday someone might even write the Deke Simmons story. But I wonder about one thing. Who's going to read it to you? In which I confess, in which she figured out that I couldn't read. And Aww. I actually got to be, you know, it's sort of a joke of like, and, you know, it's like Myers does it in uh, Wayne's World, like at the end of this thing. And he's like, and I can't read. Uh, and I actually, oh, yeah, I, I got to do the on TV on a kid's TV show. This the like the real version. Yeah. Like, <laughs> OK. Actually, the line was uh, she's like, well, do your parents know? And I'm like, who do you think taught me not to read? Wow. That's some deep <laughs> shit. Saved by the bell or whatever. Yeah. Before pre-saved by the bell. Yeah. That good morning, Miss Bliss. Be yeah. When they thought it was gonna be all about the teacher. And it was in like Maryland or something. And then all of a sudden it's in California and some of the same kids are there. Some aren't. We don't talk about it. It's very strange. It was a very strange choice they made, but it, it worked. It seems <laughs> like re-exploring Deke the illiterate bully. Now that they're back and doing the new Oh my god. I don't know why they wouldn't yes. bring back like everyone wants to confront their bully. They probably I mean, haven't un watched. Unfortunately, oh, Screech, Screech is no longer yeah. around and he was You could be looking for him because you felt to bad. apologize. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it would be that could be a real heartbreaker. I know. Because like he comes back to apologize and he can't. Because he's ah, oh, wow, how deep do we want to take it? Because yeah, you could like go to his grave and be like <laughs> Oh, I hope you forgive me in the afterlife or something. <laughs> anyway, yeah, this is Stoner Talk. <laughs> so, yes, that's it for, for, I think that's it for, for my more. main uh, film credits. Oh, Far From Home, of course, with Drew Barrymore yeah, and I Anthony mean, Rapp. That's that's a pretty, that's not a horror film. It's more of a thriller, sexy thriller. super cool. And the cast is amazing. For real. That. Like, you have such an amazing like list of credits there but did you just stop did you not want to do it anymore what happened no there? not at all no uh i don't really know what happened honestly um for a while when i was touring with so I, I had a band and i really took the music very seriously there are a couple places in my career where i said no to things that i probably should have said yes to because i kind of thought they'd keep coming and that's do you want to give us an example i prefer not okay it's... okay you can keep that. Oh, what I will tell you, I had a couple of near misses for things that I didn't turn down. I had a very near miss. I went to network on 90210 for the Jason Priestley role. Shut up. And wow. I was in, and I was did had the same for the Will Wheaton role in Star Trek. Shut up. So, oh my God. Uh, I don't, I like this. I can tell those because I, I have no regret. The things I turned down are like. <laughs> oh, tell us uh, one. Just one. Okay. This is what, this okay. is the one that's, this is. Uh. It's pretty inconsequential, but it would have made a big difference. Uh, the class of 1999, that I that was my first film where I was offered a significant amount of money to be wow. it. Like they came to me and were like, and uh, it was at a time when I was in this band called The Boon with my friend Josh Claytonfeld, who went on to form the band School of Fish. And I had been out of town and the band had been sort of faltering. And he basically gave me an ultimatum was like, you, you got to choose the band or the movies. If you're going to work on movies, it's got to oh, be stuff wow. in L.A. And these were things that and class of 1999 shot outside of L.A. Wow. And so I was like and it was after this we played the show at Madame Wong's West. And people in L.A. remember that place. But it was like a cool sort of notorious club uh, for bands coming up. And 
uh, we played this amazing show and we were just so high on it. And my agent came to me and gave me this offer. I was like, did you just see what we did? I can't do it. I'm Fuck sorry. That. It's the music. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And if I had understood the meaning of the, just the light that shut off in his eye, like I thought I was being an inspiration and I was showing him like what a serious artist I am, but what he saw was not committed. Just like a headache mm. and a, probably a huge lack of appreciation. I mean, I've been on that side now. I've been working management. So is that what you do now? No, I did for a while. I'm, I turned out I'm not very good at it because I'm not <laughs> a good enough liar. Honestly. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly. You, I mean, literally you do have to, and I don't mean that in a bad way. You have to be able to, in that job like a salesman, For you have real. to be able to tell people what they want to hear and keep stuff that they don't want to hear hidden from them. And that's, I'm just a transparent person. I don't have that skill. Same. I, I would suck at that. <laughs> and I wouldn't want, like I eventually I was like, I had to do my clients the favor of helping them all to get with other people because. Because uh, you're too honest. <laughs> I'm just not good. Because I'm not good at it. And it was breaking my heart. It was Aww. breaking my heart every day to fail for people who deserved better and then luck and luckily the ones i've run into since then they're all doing so much better it makes Aww, me so happy great. it makes me so happy maybe someday they'll give me a job <laughs> so what are you doing now though like your podcast is your main focus um well making lot making new music um but yeah the main thing i'm putting out that people can find is a podcast that i host with a guy named brian Connolly who is from Austin. So he spent a lot of time in Texas. He works with the Austin Film Society and he and his buddy wrote a film called... I think we called, uh, A guy named Zach Carlson. They wrote a film, a book called Destroy All Movies that's about uh, every appearance of a punk rocker in films up till 2000. Wow. So if like a person with a mohawk walks through a Bette Midler film, it gets an entry. No way. It's just that exhaustive. All of them? All of them wow. from like so like from 1974 till 2000. Wow, they went through every. That's insane. And they're coming out with another edition. The, the first edition sold out. It came out on Fantagraphics. Anyway, I'm a huge. I've known him since he was just a teenager in Olympia. We met in Olympia, Washington, and collaborated on stuff there. And we just always have great talks about movies. So we started a podcast called "The World Is Wrong," where we celebrate films the world is wrong about. So um, like one of my favorites that made us start it is a film called Mad Dog Time or Trigger Happy. It's got two different titles that it was released under. It's directed by Larry Bishop, who's Joey Bishop of the Rat Pack fame, his son. Oh, wow. And it's this sort of Rat Pack gangster film with, I mean, the cast goes on forever. The cast is Jeff Goldblum, Richard Dreyfus, Ellen Barkin, Diane Lane, uh, Gregory Hines, Kyle McLaughlin, uh, great Gabriel Byrne, Burt Reynolds, Richard Pryor. I feel like you're just making this Rob up. Rob Reiner. It's like everyone. <laughs> uh, Paul Anka, uh, Henry Silva. Uh, it just, it does. It just goes on. And they all have sort of the best scene of their careers. Maybe not Burt. Although his scene is fucking awesome. He, we had Larry Bishop on the show to talk about it. And, uh, he says, well, Bert always wanted to do a, a movie where he had these big fake teeth. And I was like, okay, you can do it. 
So he has these big, he's always smiling with these big fake teeth. <laughs> and it's, he's having a blast. Anyway, everyone's having a blast in it. And Roger Ebert gave it like the cruelest. I, 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 I like Roger Ebert in a lot of ways, but when he's wrong, the guy is super wrong. He's been wrong about a lot of horror <laughs> Right, stuff. he's wrong about Blue Velvet. He was wrong about Brown Bunny. All Like, we haven't done Blue Velvet because people love it. We have done an episode on Brown Bunny, another film that people do not get and the things they focus on. I know a lot of people are big fans of that one. Awesome movie. Awesome movie. Everyone's like, oh, you know, like, they focus on the blowjob blow scene. scene. <laughs> what they don't focus on is it. it is the saddest blowjob of all time. And to build a movie I mean, to I can a heartbreaking <laughs> moment around something that is so dangerous and could be like the mastery of film that is that brings you to that point. Uh, anyway, you listen to the podcast, The World is Wrong, to hear how much we, we love shall. the films we talk. So that's it. As our whole thing is like, we're the opposite of the of like uh, the raspberries. We take no pleasure in if we don't like something, we don't talk about it. I mean, that's honestly what we do too. Like all yeah. a lot of the movies that are you know B movie, trash movies, whatever. Yeah. Even the ones we don't like, like we showed, we had Iron Mutant Night last season. It was like literally, if you get through this, I will send you. And I'm personally sent out over two thousand fucking certificates. People made it through these horrible movies, but like everything gets deserves a chance and everything has merit to it no matter what so that's kind of our our take and somebody like i hate those two movies but i had a lot of people write in that love them so like no matter if you hate it there's gonna be somebody that loves it you yeah. know what i mean yeah yeah that makes sense with what you were talking about right yeah totally <laughs> okay. totally and, and and also just i think feel like it's just I'm not interested in conversations where people talk about what they don't like. Agreed. I like, mean, it's. I guess that's the point. Don't yeah. talk shit about it. You yeah. know what I mean? Oh, or if you find, but if you want, if you want to get with someone who like sit and, and talk, if you want, you and me want to turn off the mic and talk about to some talk film <laughs> that we didn't like and like we both didn't like it, that can be a useful conversation. How do you feel about Rosemary's Baby? I love Rosemary's Damn it. Baby. How Sorry. do you feel about The Exorcist? I have only yeah I, it didn't really land. For All me. right, there you go. I think you have to be fuck the exercise. I think you have to be a little bit more Catholic for. To, I'm, a I'm bit. I was raised Catholic. Yeah. No, it's just, it's so boring. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. Yeah, it didn't. But you don't. You I mean it's unfair because I am like. I feel like enough people say nice things about that that I'm allowed to talk shit about that. One. Well, not even about that film. For me, one of the things that's weird is that I'm in horror films. I don't really like being scared so i don't seek out horror films and that could seem like a judgment of horror films but the world is wrong our ethos is if you don't like something that is a you problem you are the one who is wrong if you don't like a movie you're the one who's wrong about it for the pure reason like the logic reason of like then because you don't get to enjoy it if you don't get to enjoy it I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry for me oh, wow. that I don't get to enjoy horror films. I've spent my life meeting people for whom horror films are just pure joy. Me. They watch it as kids for comfort. And yes. I'm like <laughs> two minutes in to a movie. Like, I'll have people come on. Oh, what was... I wish I could remember. Uh, Jen Brown, who's uh, been a guest on the show, who's another Austin person... Uh, she recommended, she always recommends these great feminist horror films. And 
I'll try and watch them. And it just starts with a woman carrying a knife and the naked leg. And I'm like, uh, 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 I can't. Like, wow. <laughs> Lightweight for sure. I am totally. <laughs> but that's a me problem. That's not a horror film that's problem. True. I do pity you. Yeah. I wish you could feel the joy. I right. Do. Right. And we're, like when, Cause when I'm like, I'm in. <laughs> it's like Show me more. One of the films we covered is Mordecai, the Johnny Depp film. I think it's one of the fa the funniest films in the last 10 years. Top, one of the great Johnny Depp performances, maybe like right there with Ed Wood and, and Hunter S. Thompson as my favorite Johnny Depp performances. And people hate that movie. Active, I've hung out with people who were just like, it's not funny, it's not funny, it's not funny. And I'll go and put it on for like the 15th time oh. and a minute in, I'm laughing. So <laughs> it is definitely funny. I'm not like, I don't, if, if the whole world is right that that is a bad movie, but I am the one person who can enjoy it every time I watch it, then I guess I'm the luckiest person in the world. They for spent sure. they $20 made a million dollars on them or 40, whatever <laughs> amount of money they spent on that for me. Aw, <laughs> that was nice of them. Yeah. But I also think that if people really watch it, it's uh, I maybe you have to have a, a thing about mustaches. It's a comedy that really revolves around this one idea that a guy grows a mustache and his wife hates it so much that he has to go and save the world in order to get her to fuck him again. What? <laughs> that's I did not know that. I was picturing some like Sherlock Holmes kind of guy. Yeah, that's what it seems like. But that's <laughs> no, it's much funnier than that. And it's but mustache humor is a very specific thing because of my association with Andy Schmushkin. I obviously have a, you know, I have a weakness for a that kind of humor. Thing. Yeah. I, Do you want to talk about Andy Smushkin? Uh, well, he was my no? first client. Um, when I, uh, at a point when I was sort of feeling a little bit like I needed to step away from the creative side of the business, I was starting to feel like maybe management, maybe being in service to other artists would be a better thing for me. And I was, at the time I was living in a trailer behind Andy Dick's place down uh, near third, now down near the, the Beverly Center, like a really fancy place and a really nice, he had a, a nice couple of Airstream trailers cool. in the back. And he was letting me stay in one of them. And in, in an exchange, I was writing songs with him. And we wrote a, a record called um, Andy Dick, The Darkest Day of the Year. You can find it. <laughs> Does it look like 
Looks like a pen light without the light shining out of the tip. best of my songs that I shared with them, that I wrote for him, he would turn down. And at the time, that's when I met Andy Shmushkin. And I was like, well, you, he, he and I, he has a very much like my vocal range. He's a great guy, guy for me to write for. We're very, it's almost like meeting a brother, like, like a, that you've never were related, that you didn't know you were related to. And so it felt very natural to start writing songs and um, start giving these songs that I had written for Andy like Pumpkin Lovin' or Christmas Cunnilingus. Oh, wait, they're both named Andy. Yeah. Weird. Yeah, And I'm Sorry. an Andy, too. Andras, I grew up as an Andy. Shut up. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Okay. Continue, Sorry. Yeah, there's just a lot of Andy energy, a lot of Andy energy. Wow. And, uh, and Andy Dick hates Andy Shmushkin, by the way, because of this, because I would give these songs like Pumpkin Lovin' and Christmas Cunnilingus to Andy Shmushkin. But didn't would, he turn them down? Yeah. But then oh, when he, did, he got, he didn't like it. With, he wanted them to die. If, if he you turn down, down Christmas Cunnilingus, then I'm sorry. That's a you problem <laughs> yeah, as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's funny. For a while, Shmushkin had a minor deal with National Lampoon. We we're putting out his videos. They really loved the Pumpkin Lovin' video that we did. I definitely have to look that up. That's yeah. about fucking a pumpkin, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah. Uh, but Andy Smushkin for the win. We yeah. gotta find that. <laughs> but, uh, but then when they heard Christmas Cunnilingus, they were like, it's kind of gross. <laughs> And I'm sorry, the guys from National Lampoon said it was said gross. that it was gr like your whole thing is gross comedy. And I am so, so sorry for your wives and girlfriends that that's your reaction. Uh, it might be immature. It might be offensive, but gross. <laughs> that is you oh, problem. Okay. Definitely. We have to look up these songs and find out because now I'm super curious. been a hard year, people. Not everyone can afford to go out and buy presents from the same corporations that just dicked us out of our savings and pension funds. But hey, that's no excuse to not treat your girlfriend right around the holidays. That's why I'm going to be giving. Christmas come laying us. I hear you laughing, people, but you don't need no credit card, no swinging dick that's always hard. You just need to tend her yard. Tender. Christmas come laying Christmas Cunnilingus Old Scrooge was stingy with his tongue George Bailey's wife could never come Santa Claus just used his thumb Give her some Christmas Cunnilingus 
Christmas kinda rain Christmas kinda rain Christmas kinda rain If belly buttons were mistletoe You'd figure out where your kiss will go This year before you mount Give her the gift that counts Give her some Christmas cunnilingus Christmas cunnilingus Yeah, do like the Messiah would Make your girlfriend feel good You should limber up your jaw Before desire starts to thaw I don't wanna see you hesitate Don't make the poor girl masturbate To paraphrase what Jesus said Give her head I'm talking about some Christian cunnilingus Calisthenics now La 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 So I wrote these songs for Andy, and then it just sort of became a natural thing. And then I had this idea for the for Andy's big uh, sort of coming out party show at Spaceland with all these great artists that uh, like Willie Wisely and Bart Davenport and the Monoreals and the Candy Pants and all these sort of hip LA acts. And I organized a protest group to protest his shows. I, I got some actors. You hired a fake protest group? I, I, I thought it would be kind of, I thought it would be funny and weird to have people, these, these sort of like big, scary, burly dudes being like, Shmushkin is bad for women. Shmushkin is bad for women. And yelling <laughs> like, women, stay away from this guy. Which I just, I thought would be funny. And I hired this actor, David Yuri and Michael Garvey and a couple of other guys. And David Yuri has gone on to become something kind of, you know, he was in Lodge 49 he was in Breaking Bad. He's been in. He's Does had, legit shit. Yeah, he's done a lot of legit sense, uh, shit since. But at the time, <laughs> he was just a guy I knew from Olympia, like Brian Connolly, my co-host on The World is Wrong. And he and Michael and the other guys, they they went totally off the rails. And instead of um, just saying Schmushkin's bad for women, David started saying Shmushkin is a child rapist. Whoa. Which is not no. funny. Is not funny. And it's in all the footage. And oh so, my God. And I not think the way it, to start. Yeah. And all, <laughs> I think that scared a lot of people away from Andy Shmushkin yeah. uh, at this event. But then what we filmed this whole event and I've been working on editing it as a film. And what's really great is that David Yuri has, is in the film. It's a, the film's called Confessions of an Anti-Shmushkinite. And David Yuri is in the film talking about how basically sometimes acting is dangerous. That like if I feel you like improv- I'm pretty soon because I've lost what we were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know what to ask you, but it sounds pretty crazy. Yeah, Shmush the whole world of Andy <laughs> of Andy Shmushkin is a whole thing. But there is a film that I'm working on okay. called Confessions of an Anti Shmushkinite that's coming out 
soon or that I'm just finishing. I don't know when when it'll be something people can see, but you can find his music on Bandcamp, okay. uh, his record, Total Fucking Bullshit, which is uh, these. All of this is true, by the way. I'm not making any of this up. This He has a record called Total Fucking Bullshit. The songs we're talking about, Pumpkin Lovin' and Christmas Cunnilingus and others are on it. And Why would we think you were making it up? Well, I don't know. Why would you be sending us to a fake band camp? I don't know. It sounds ludicrous. <laughs> but that's part of the fun of Shmushkin is he is kind and of he's ludicrous. he's not a child rapist. For the record. Definitely not. And that okay. and and David says this in the film. He is a, you know, and first of all, he doesn't even really have a hate group and he isn't really bad for women. I hired some people to say that he was bad for women because I thought that would be funny. Yeah, and they kind of improvised it into a whole <laughs> other thing that but actors, am I right? God. But at the same time, <laughs> there is something that I feel like now it's a little bit of a time capsule of like accusations being we live in a time of wild accusations being thrown around at people and people saying the worst possible things about people they don't know in public settings because of one little blip yeah one little or, or, or something because acting is dangerous because people who don't like people are just improvising someone's drunk and they're like oh i bet so-and-so is a blah 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 and then so-and-so is a blah 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 becomes the thing that goes around yep 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 and and so in a way all of the whole Schmushkin project, it actually kind of paid off because not for Schmushkin's career, sorry, <laughs> <laughs> or mine. Uh, but this artifact now, and especially because yeah, David like Yuri, right? yeah, he's been really good about like he really apologized and he really put some time in to make it correct. And that's wow. And he and now he's a public person, which makes it also double. That is like super interesting, actually. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna look up Christmas Cunnilingus and oh. Pumpkin Lovin'. Oh, that'll that'll get you. That should get you in the mood for the uh, Confessions of an Anti Schmushkinite and Schmushkin's next record, Mustache Music. Uh, All right, Mustache Music. We will keep mustache people music. posted yeah. on when that's coming out. I'll post your links so people can follow you and all that. So yeah, but. We got to move on to some Freddy shit. Okay. Because, you know, that's what puts the butts in the seats. Okay. Here. Yeah. Put the butts in the seats. I don't even know. Because, see, like, I know a fair amount of people uh, listen to your your joining us, the watch along thing. So they heard those stories, but not everyone can join in. It's live. I don't record that. So it's just gone right. forever. So one of the stories you told that I would love for you to tell again, explain the pizza thing. Okay. So someone asked how they got your face on the, the meatball, which is what yeah. made me vegetarian forever. But I thought it was just going to be a boring answer. Like you were like, oh, they just superimposed it, blah, blah, blah. But no, this is the time of practical effects. Yeah. So like that was pretty hardcore. So explain that for the record. It is pretty cool. Your I, pizza, your soul pizza scene. Yeah. I, it's, uh, it is, it was one of my favorite bits of pure cinema acting. It's the kind of acting you would never do on stage, you would never do in any other situation. So basically there was a uh, a big plastic, rubber plastic pizza that was like the size of like three or four movie posters, so big. Big enough for me to stand behind and put my head into, there was a hole in it. And then they glued my head in and painted it like, wow. painted sort of like, so there was like meatball-y kind of. <laughs> So I was very connected to it and I just stood there. And then instead of having Freddie's finger come and pierce me, 
what they did was they sorry what they did was they had Freddie's finger had a, a gigantic Freddie's finger with an indentation that fit my head so it was just up against my head like it was in my head wow. and then I reacted backwards as if I was dead and then I'm feeling pain and then I'm looking and I'm seeing it coming towards me. That is so and wicked. And acting backwards is crazy. It's so much <laughs> fun. It's like you never get a chance. I mean, I guess if you're in a lot of movies and practical effects, you probably get to do it a lot. But for me, that was, I think, the only time I've ever been. Like, I would love to see that pizza. Like, does pictures or anything exist? I think ever? I do. I do have a Polaroid somewhere of just me glued into I the would pizza, love pizza. to see that if yeah you I'll share find it, with you. it I'd yes, be glad to please I'd be very happy to that share it with the fans so crazy yeah so is there yeah. other we had some bullet points of what we want to cover well I I've said it on a lot of different podcasts but I, I mentioned it after we finished the discord that one of the things that's cool for me is that Nightmare on Elm Street is as well as being one of the biggest horror franchises biggest franchises in film history i think it's the only dream-based film franchise in mm. film history and since and this is another thing that we would i would talk with this is the kind of thing we talk about on the world is wrong so many great filmmakers have talked about how movies are dreams they're not like dreams that movies are dreams and the the best directors tap into that dream-like quality who i mean wes craven as good as anyone at sure. tapping into that, not just in Nightmare, but just his something about him. He had this, his films are dreams. Um, and that has huge meaning for me because my father was a dream psychologist oh, yeah. and not just mm -hmm. like a dream psychologist. He was a very well, he wrote many, many books. He taught at Harvard and worked with like the the giants of the field at his in his heyday and I and that was when I was growing up so I grew up in this house where dreams like where you talked about where dreams were discussed the way you talk about uh, you would talk about science in a science house or films in a film house or wow so yeah. how did he feel about this movie um sadly uh when I got nightmare was right around the time that he was succumbing to Alzheimer's oh my god I'm sorry. so he I didn't know it at the time. So he got a little bit of, he was, he saw, he saw that I had done this, but he just saw a horror film and he was glad for his son. And also he was probably already in decline in ways that I wasn't aware. I'm sorry. So yeah, it's, that's one of the sad stories of my life. That's really, when you go back to probably the biggest thing of why I'm not in films is that right around that time that happened. And I made the decision to go move back to Olympia where he was my band moved with me and we just set up shop there. And for a while I was able to continue to come back and forth and make work, but uh, it was not the same as when I was living in LA. And I'm glad I did that. You know, I'm really glad I got to spend time with my father towards the end, even though it was a really, whew, yeah. Don't want to go back to that time. These are better days. I'm today. glad. Yeah. You have to tell us something happy now. I didn't mean to bring oh, it. I did not know. I'm sorry. That's okay. I brought, <laughs> no, it's, hey, it's, uh, hey, come this is what's so weird. Move, the movies that you're into are all about death. I know. I mean, I, I wish I, there's, mm, 
I need to talk about it sometime when I'm not stoned. <laughs> but like it, it does make it something about surviving it then makes you feel like alive or grateful to be alive or something. It's like, I don't know. It's cathartic in a way, maybe. <laughs> I, I was talking with a friend recently and I was talking about uh, true crime podcasts and like, I'm just not interested. And the, and this woman I was talking was like to was like, well, that's because you don't have to worry about it. You know, you don't you don't have to worry about a violent crime happening to you. I mean, that's not I, necessarily true. Well, <laughs> I, yeah, I know that was her take. And okay. it's probably true. I don't li- and don't I was, worry as much as we do. And I was kind of thinking about like just with horror, it doesn't entirely explain it, but I feel like maybe there's just something in my life that I have lived, even though I've had a lot of bad things happen to me, like I was, we just were talking about, um, I've still lived a pretty protected and sheltered life compared to people who have had really bad things happen to them. And I wonder if, or have had bad things happen to people close enough to them that the impact of those bad things. For sure. Like for me, that leads me into paying attention to politics because the bad things that happened to my family happened because of politics and in Europe in the thirties and you know, bad things that happened then. So that's where my mind goes. It's kind of comforting to pay attention to that kind of horror because yeah. it prepares me to fight against it. I want to fight against it. And I wonder if there's something with horror, the people who love horror, that it has the same thing of like, there's some trauma in their life or in their family that this is a way to work it out that's safe and I don't, almost fun. I think it must be like that because there's so many of us that we've met like since I started doing the last drive-in, like we all are like that. There's so many people like abused stories. Like we all were just abused and hiding in our room. And that's how we found Joe Bob in the first place. Like Mm -hmm. he was the only safe person. It's like so many of us. So there's gotta be something to that. Cause cause not everyone is like so obsessed. Like, like, like horror fans are like obsessed. Like when you start talking about non-horror stuff, my brain just goes, boop, don't Mm -hmm. care. Come back to horror now. (laughs) Cause like, it's just like, life that's our life it's so yeah i have to analyze it sometime but it's just it's super confident it's just i don't know it's where i feel okay yeah yeah i the things we that comfort us like i'll one of my comfort movies is all the president's men oh god we are such different i know i know i don't know i'm going to sleep just hearing that title right (laughs) <laughs> I don't know why. I just get real. What even is that? What? What is that? Uh, it's a movie about with Dustin Hoffman and Robert Redford from the mid, like, think seventy six, maybe seventy five, seventy six. All about Watergate and. Oh, <laughs> Lord, I'm really now. Lord. Okay. Okay, but see, that's it. <laughs> what? What turns like? What turns us on? cinematically or whatever what you're drawn to is it just has like we have receptors for them and it can be like i know that that is not a comforting even (laughs) if you're not bored by it it's not a comfort movie i don't even like and i've evolved enough in my own political viewpoint that there's so much of it that i see that movie in that movie is propaganda that i don't even agree with in a lot of ways and yet doesn't matter it got it gets in and just like horror you know i don't like you say that most people aren't like that until i was in the horror world no one that i knew felt that way about horror i didn't know anyone in my life 
I remember there's, I have a friend, James O'Brien, who has a great podcast, great musician, singer, songwriter, someone I never thought of as a horror guy. And I was on tour in like 99, 2000, the beginning of when I started to go into cons. And I was talking about him about going to cons. And the way I was talking about it was a little bit dismissive of myself, not like of the genre, but it was also, it was like, I'm going to go do this thing. And mm -hmm. it's a horror thing. And he was like, How no, dude. <laughs> he was like, no. And he was like, he was like, do you know the function that horror plays in society and why it is such an incredible, like you are so lucky to be a part of that genre that that's the, that's yeah. the cutting edge. I need to talk to him. All the best ideas. <laughs> and he just totally opened up my eyes. And since then, I've never looked at the genre the same because, and this is what I'm talking about. He, that one conversation with someone who really liked it in a way that gave me a doorway into it outweighed all of the negativity from everyone in my life who just sort of looked down on it. And you got to understand, this also is like, I when I went and was in these movies that you think are great, when I went back to my family or people who I knew, they were all just sort of like, uh, what are you on Friday the 13th? Uh, uh, yeah. No, you wish. Most people in my <laughs> life still will say Friday the 13th or Halloween. They cannot wow. remember which one it is. It's not their That's fault. That's crazy. They're, it's a, their problem, not a... I mean, it hurt me when I was younger. Yeah. But because you want people in your life to... To be really excited about it. To be excited it. about yeah. it. But I also had their... I shared their prejudices until this great guy, James O'Brien, hero to the horror community, <laughs> just intellectually slapped my face and was like, no, you're a smart guy. You should know how amazing, even if you can't get it, what happens in horror is kind of, it's the place where the most exciting things happen because it's where we face our shadow. And that is, that's the stuff we don't talk about, but it comes out in these films and you're in, you get to be a part of them. And it's yeah. not just that you get to work with Alice Cooper, which I would brag about, or that you get to work with Robert England, who I would brag about, but you're in this genre that is, yeah, it just is means the so genre. much yeah. to so many people. Yeah, and you know, I like I I I feel bad talking about Rick so much because I know you've done a million other things. That that is wonderful too. But Rick just meant so much to me, like that character. And I'm not alone. Like when I talk about you online, or whatever. Like a lot of people have really strong feelings about Rick. You're like our brother that got killed or something. You know what I mean? It's like uh, I don't. Yeah. That's why it's it's just so special to me and to be a like that's a real iconic character. Like I'm sure there's like actual movies like that people would be like, this is a real like taxi driver or something. Like you're like that to me, you're a bigger deal than that. Does that make uh, sense? <laughs> it, it it's taken me a long time to get because it's you don't you don't people don't appreciate themselves even when they're in Taxi Driver. I'm sure. Robert I think Daniel, he appreciates himself. Yeah, he probably appreciates <laughs> himself fine. But I bet he has a problem. I mean, maybe. I don't know. I think a lot of actors just can't see our, we can't see ourselves on film. Like the things when we're best is when we're revealing stuff that we don't want to show. And so why you don't want to see that? Like, I don't want to see myself True. like you. I'd rather see myself on film with my gut hanging out and looking like a real person doing real things. But I don't want to see that. I want to see myself with my gut sucked in. But that's bad acting. Someone just walking around <laughs> with their gut sucked in. I don't want to see that. 
you know, so it's just like a cognitive dissonance. But I know that that character is like generates profound feeling because we all have someone in our life who we thought was like, okay, we're cool. I, I'm cool as long as this person's here. And then we lost that person. They moved away or they so they stopped being our friend or they got killed by Freddie or, you Aww. know, but, and then we that, tried so hard. Yeah. He was and, training every day. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. So no, I, I, I totally appreciate it. I, well, I don't say I totally appreciate it. I appreciate it. And I am constantly put in a place of like genuine appreciation when I meet people for whom I get to hold that place. And then I want to be, it makes me want to be as cool with you or anyone who comes up to my table at a convention as Rick is, which actually brings out the best in me. Like I That's see cool. people who are known for other kind of roles and they kind of, people come up expecting someone to be with, I'm sure with the women a lot, people come up and expect them to be sexy mm -hmm. and flirty because that's what they are, the way they are in a movie. And they have to navigate that. Or they have to be scary. Tom Savini has to be tough and scary. He is. Yeah. <laughs> Great. You know, but I get to be cool. your brother. Yeah. Your like. But also a badass. Yeah. But know? not, but like, yeah, light, bad, light intellectual badass. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Sweet yeah. intellectual badass. Yeah. yeah. So it's a it's really fun for me at cons that way because I get to see that part of people that like, I can't tell you how many people are come up, come up and they're like, my wife had a big crush on you when you oh, were a kid. And there's lots of crushes she, She's like, sure. oh, no, don't tell him. <laughs> and then there's kids there and they're, and they're watching Nightmare on Elm Street at like three or four. And I'm like, I don't understand this world, but it's clear that this is a happy, healthy family doing stuff together. Yeah, I had probably kid healthier than my family, on. which I thought was like a, a bastion of integrity. And I'm like, oh, we all live in weird in our own little. I don't know. My friend cults. calls it the bubble. Yeah, the horror bubble. Yeah, he's like, I ain't even gonna try to explain it right now. I know I'll just ramble. <laughs> ramble. This is your podcast. I've totally taken over. I'm I sorry. appreciate that. It's the first. Is this the one? So I've done a lot of lone stoner podcast where i just mm -hmm. say whatever um and accept they're not going to make sense but i think you're the first person i've been a stoner rambler with so thanks for popping that cherry i guess <laughs> well it's all I, you know we always have a great time talking yeah and you're super cool and so if you want to hear more of his freddy stories you were one of the first guests i ever had on so i'll put up that super old podcast and i don't even think it's on spotify like I switched over at some point. So I'll put that up so you can hear the Freddy stories where Recorded I just Recorded in a hotel room in Hollywood. Yeah. Not far from here. That was at Hotel Roosevelt. Yeah, right? I was at the Roosevelt. Yeah. Wow. And then who knew? All these years later, like now, now we're neighbors, neighbors living here. Very Weird. close. Walking distance. I know by here. accident. Like yeah. I just said, yo, homie, like let me know when you're in LA. I'm like, I'm in LA. I'm like, what? The yeah. And you gave me your address. I'm like, I'm like a block away from you. <laughs> It was very silly, but anyway. Yeah. We were destined to be friends. It's clear. Totally. And yeah, and that would never have happened without Nightmare on Elm Street. It's so true. That's, you know, and that's the blessing. And how strongly people feel about horror. Because I remember I had like a lot of shit going on that day that you were at the con. Oh, you want to tell the con story? Sure, yeah. If you missed the story of how we met. Like I just, I saw that you were appearing at a con. It was the first time I ever seen you at a con. 
And I was like, I had like I was working or something. I was like, I have to get to Rick and let him know how much how important he is. So like at the very last minute on a Sunday, I went and I had my costume because that's how I show appreciation too. Like I always pick out the person I, I'm most excited to meet and dress as a tribute to, to them. So I put on my Rick costume. And when I post that picture, people are like, oh yeah, pasties on. That's so lame. It's because I was at the con like that and they wouldn't yeah. let me in without the pasties. So, so I, I just passed everyone. And I was like, I have to find Andres. This is what I thought. I yeah. said Andres Jones. <laughs> and so I had this whole team of people like trying to find where you were. And we finally found the, the Nightmare on Elm Street table. And your friends that were there told me that you had left. Yes. And they I was were, so sad. I was like, oh. it says till six. <laughs> I had to catch I got a there flight, like four thirty. And it was so yeah, I, I I hate that when that happens. And note to people, end of the cons. It's like I Sundays learned that a lot cons, of people leave early. You gotta try and get there by noon. Yes. Because people are getting flights and that's the first time I heard of that. I'm like, yeah. it says six. But now. it was uh it was so depressing for me because Dan Hassel sent me this uh he said, Hey, and forgive me, this is how he wrote it. He's like, okay. hey, there's this porn star here who's dressed <laughs> as you. And I was just like, ha, why? And yep. <laughs> something you should know about me and Shmushkin is that uh, just, I have a very, um, I had an experience when I was a, a young actor. I was in acting class with Tracy Lords. Oh, wow. And I didn't know who she was. I didn't know anything about porn. I'm like just, totally sheltered little boy Our out sweet from, little Rick. just out in Hollywood <laughs> and we're in acting class we're about to do a scene from a play called Hooters about this the scene is this guy who is pretends he's like this tough guy with these, this girl who's ready to go with him and then they get back to the room and he's like oh, I don't know I'm not sure and she has to try and be like what's the, what's the deal dude I thought you were you want you wanted to have sex I thought you invited me back here and you're now you're being like a little boy. So anyway, that's the scene. And it's my first scene in acting class in Hollywood. And the class is like, nobody comes to these things. But for our scene, it's jam packed. All dudes. And <laughs> I I'm wonder like, why. I'm like, Tracy. All uh, big Rick fans. <laughs> I'm like, Tracy, uh, what's going on? I, and she's like, well, they're here for me. I'm like, I'm sorry. Are you on a TV show? And I'm supposed to know. And she's like, oh, let me tell you. And so I got the firsthand account of the life of Tracy Lords right there before our, like from getting discovered and wow, the whole thing and, and how she was in acting class trying to reclaim her career, to like reclaim her life and become a legit actress. And she was like, before knowing any of this, She's tremendously talented in class. I thought she was, that's why I wanted to do the scene with her. She, that's, that's why she must have agreed to do the scene with me. Because I was just sort of oblivious and like, wow, you're great. You want to do a scene together? Oh, huh? that's so cool. <laughs> Little puppy. <laughs> and she's like, oh, yeah, yeah. That's, you, you seem like pretty safe. Okay, I'll work with you. And awesome. so then we go on and do the scene. And I have a video tape of the scene really? shot in, and it looks like a porn film because it's shot on grainy 80s thing and it's me and tracy lords from that era do you have like can we share it i probably no. i could share it like I, i'll i'll dig around i don't know i don't know why if I, you find it that would be super interesting yeah but if not that's cool uh it is a treasure i have it i don't know how yeah let's start maybe we'll figure it out but 
when I went back, and I won't say who my roommate was, but he was a big shot screenwriter who was instrumental in helping me get representation and was a cool guy. Except when I told him I was worked about this thing with Tracy Lords, he just said something that infuriates me today. He's like, well, her career is over. She's broken. And I just, ever since then, I've just had this feeling of like, I'm on her side. I'm on anyone in that industry's side in being able to be an actor if they're an actor. I don't care what you're doing. If you're on film, you're an actor. If you're a boxer who beats up people for a living <laughs> and then you get to be in films, they call you an actor. It should be the That's same true. for That's porn stars. So when, so it's not just like a, pro, of course, I was like, ha, who? <laughs> but there was also a part of me that was like, oh, I just wanted to build alliances throughout my whole life with people who are, to have been in that business and want to be more without ever, like without any shame on that business. But you don't, like, you can be a bartender for 10 years and I respect you being a bartender, but I respect you that you can want to do another job after you were a bartender. And that might be being a movie star or a producer or a priest. I don't know. And you wow, should be able to do that. That's such a cool way of looking at and it. And so when he told me that a porn star was here dressed <laughs> up as me, I was like, this was my opportunity to form that alliance. And I missed it. And then we reached out that's and funny, we became great I didn't tell him who friends. I was, so he must have been watching some, no. <laughs> some old stuff. <laughs> Oh, Dan Hassel. Saying, I didn't okay. say who I was. <laughs> I'm not. Hey, hey, I do too. It's all. It's, it's cool. I, I, there's no Thank shame. Thank you. I appreciate it. There's no shame in, uh, I mean, there's a ton of shame, but we have to get over it because shame is bad for Aww. life. We were totally meant to be friends. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. All right. We should probably wrap this, this up. This is a really We were going for 20 long. minutes and we, are we have over <laughs> I mean, that's amazing. Like, it's really hard for me to talk. So, well, thank you for being so easy to talk to. My pleasure. Well, come on down, everyone. Come check out the World is Wrong podcast. Check out my website, previouslyyours.com. That's where you can find all my stuff, films, my book. We haven't even talked about my music. Oh, do you need to talk about your no, book? No, no. Wait, you have a book, though? Yeah, it's called Accidental Initiations in the Kabbalistic oh, Tree of I Olympia. Oh, I remember, yes. Yes, it is. My quote is, it's not a good book. <laughs> But it's honest, and I am told it's funny. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, when I post this, I'll put links to all your stuff. Okay. Thank us, you. Do you very have one much. quick Freddie anecdote we can go out on? Um. We gotta leave on a Freddie note. Okay. The reason I do the World Is Wrong podcast is okay. because the last time I was hanging out with Robert England, we were hanging out. I don't remember where the con was. I'm sorry. I think it was in Canada. Might have been in, yeah, it was in Eastern Canada somewhere. And he, we were talking, I was telling him how I have this whole theory that Warren Beatty is the, is, should be considered one of the great filmmakers of the 20th century. People don't really think of him that way. Definitely not. And he was like, you know, you should really write a film book. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to write a film book. But him saying that made me think, that the way I think and talk about film is unique and useful enough that I could do a podcast if I was talking with someone who I really respected, who also had a sort of iconoclastic, positive point of view on film, where they like things that other people disregard. 
And that all started with Robert. And I think that's the main thing. Like, I don't have a great Freddie story, but Robert hey, is like... That's a good one. You know, he I mean, going back to what podcast, I said. Well, I, you know, I lost my dad right when I was around Nightmare on Elm Street. And so at that point, all the elder men in my life who were not my father became more important. And over years now, Aww. 20, 35 years of seeing Robert regularly and always having him take this sort of like, not fatherly, but professorial interest in <gasps> Professor me. Wexler. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. That's, that's my second favorite character he plays. Anyway. <laughs> uh, that he does, he is a father figure to me. And when he says he's when someone who has that role in your life, uh, I'm very marginal. I don't want to put too much on him, but he's one of, he has that, he has the authority in my life that if he praises me in some way, I'm like, oh, Aww. well, maybe I should pursue that. You know, I get you that. recognize that. So that's my that's my uh, Freddie story. Is that's that a good Freddie story? Robert Not at England all what I was expecting, me. but Freddie started your podcast. Yeah, basically. Robert, <laughs> Robert, yeah, sorry. Yes, Freddie started Rick's podcast. The see, <laughs> Freddie kills you in your dreams. Robert talks you to death at the bar. <laughs> oh. I love it. I love it. He is a just he is a full on rock on tour, but he is not to me. Robert is not Freddie. Robert is a film. He is such a film icon and he carries himself as a film icon. And he wants to tell everyone every story. He's so generous and it can be overwhelming. But that's his that's his superpower. And that's awesome. He makes people I watch him makes people's day every like every minute of every day that i hang out with him he's so he's doing that there are certain people that when i see at cons i'm still scared of them and he's one of them he just looks so freddy to me i'm he would, like i'm so scared of him if you started talking with him i have a couple of times and it's been really just i guess because it's intimidating as well so it's not like i brought him like a birthday hat for our mutual birthday he gave me cookies and stuff and it was like the sweetest little conversation i'm like you're still freddy <laughs> well the next time we're at a con together we have to find a way for you and me to hang out with him at the bar. I mean, and if we get drunk, maybe I'll get over he it. He <laughs> will not be intimidated. I mean, again, he will be overwhelming, but he won't be intimidated. I would love to switch to that because, like, Bill Bill Mosley was like that for me for a while. Every time I saw him, I kind of went the other way because it's like, you're so scary. But now I've gotten – he's a goofball. I see that. I still yeah. have to get past Tony Todd. He's another one that's just – He's Candyman. I'm so scared of him. Yeah, you just so, got to get. You we just got to all get drunk at cons. You got to get what in I've the bubble and people relax, and then it's true. You're like, oh, they're just people. Yeah. Oh, I think that's a happy note to end on, right? Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here. In my own home, yeah. Shh, they don't have to know that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> thank you for joining us on the pod. Absolutely. For me. And yeah, thanks for listening. Love you guys. Bye. Bye. What is it tonight? Please just tell me what the hell is wrong. Do you want to eat? Do you want to sleep? Do you want to drown? Just settle down, settle down, settle down. I'll give you candy, give you diamonds, Give you pills, give you anything you want. Hundred dollar bills. I'll even let you watch the shows you wanna see if you'll just marry me, marry.
never stay awake when I get home. Is something wrong with you? Is something wrong with me? Other way around. <laughs> I really wish I knew. I wish I knew. I wish I knew. I'll give you candy. Give you diamonds. Give you pills. Give you everything you want. Hundred dollar bills. I'll even let you watch that movie if you'll just marry me, marry me, marry me. Hey there, little red riser. <laughs> you sure are looking good. You're everything a big bad wolf. <laughs>